listener production. Hey, I'm Amelia Oberhart and welcome to this extra episode of The Briefing. We will be dropping an additional ep into the feed every day around three o'clock to keep you up to date with everything that's happening in the world right now. This morning on The Briefing, we took a look at the harm that's being caused by vape residue. There's new research that's come out showing toxic chemicals can stick around for a month, posing a pretty big risk, especially when it comes to our kids' health, more so than cigarettes. And that isn't the only impact that it's having on our kids' lives. This afternoon, we'll do a deep dive on the impact of vaping on kids' education and the pressure that that inevitably puts on teachers having to deal with students' habits. Listener journalist Michaela Savage has been looking into vaping in schools and she joins me now. Hey, Amelia. Thanks for having me. So you've been talking with teachers right around the country about their experiences with students vaping at school. So what have they said? Yeah, so I had been investigating the problem here in Sydney, where I am, uh, for another listener podcast called The Savo in Sydney, but I kept hearing all these stories from around the country. So I basically decided to look at it from a national angle, and it absolutely is such a national issue. I've now talked to a number of teachers from all over, and you're going to get to hear from a bunch of them throughout this episode. Basically, vaping is a really big problem for a lot of high school teachers. The majority of the ones that I spoke to have told me it can actually take up a lot of time across their week and and a lot of effort that should really be being spent on more important parts of their job. Is there anything teachers can actually do though? Like what are their options? Yeah, well, there's not really a lot. A lot of them were telling me that they feel pretty powerless when it comes to vaping. Um, The processes that different schools have in place for dealing with it can vary pretty significantly. But on the whole, yeah, there's not much that they can do. And that can leave teachers feeling pretty frustrated and and demoralised. And they're just trying to give kids the best possible education and obviously provide a safe environment for their students. Uh, Here's Chris. He's a teacher in Victoria. He was telling me about an experience that he had when he was patrolling around an exam hall. I walked in there uh, and I wasn't expecting anyone to be there, but two kids were there and they were vaping. You know, I was sort of taken aback by this sort of uh, shocked and I I just sort of froze and they froze too. And then they sort of quickly and quietly, you know, left the the room. They they sort of left the uh, the toilet and walked out and, and, uh, and so did I. I knew them by their faces, so I, I reported that to the principal. And um, you know, the feedback I got from the principal was like, "Yeah, we've we've pulled the kids in, we've asked them about it, and uh, you know, according to them, uh, they reckon you've just made it all up. You know, obviously we know that you didn't lie about it; they're the ones lying, but we've got nothing on them. So uh, you know, we can't search them. You know, we we just have to have a, a stern talking to with them, and and uh, you know, maybe call their parents." That is crazy. And Courtney, who teaches in New South Wales, was telling me about this crazy moment from when she first started teaching and a student was caught vaping in class. We did all the, you know, like bag search and stuff and we found in their bag a bunch of Ziploc bags with other students' names on them with vapes inside. Like they were doing like little deals in the bathrooms and and on school sites dealing vapes to each other. And this would have been like 2020, so pretty like a few years ago but yes that was like the biggest I guess like we had it was like a little bust almost like we were like kind of playing cop there quite um quite jarring as well to see how many kids were involved and like the kind of lengths that they would go to to be able to get a vape and when I was talking to Courtney I was just thinking to myself like wow isn't that insane like what a one-off but I discovered it's actually not after talking to Rebecca over in WA about a student that she used to teach and I sent him up to the office because he was using his phone in class. By the time he got to the office, it had been 
someone had obviously intersected him and worked out at some point along the line that he was actually online managing his PO box that he'd had set up because he was having vape devices shipped to the address and then he was then distributing amongst the year 10s at this particular school. Okay, we've got kids that are beyond addicted. They're now distributing under age and this is highly illegal. Doesn't that just show how far kids will actually go to get a hit? It's so concerning. And there are studies that show that vapes are really, really easy for kids to get. Um, Stats on the Australian Drug and Alcohol Foundation website say that students report getting e-cigarettes from friends, from siblings, even from parents, which can be really difficult for teachers, um, and around even buying an e-cigarette themselves. So do you think the loophole is because they're saying they're nicotine-free? And if so, like, how do we actually know they're nicotine-free? Is there any studies around that? Or, like, how yeah, do we know? It's It seems to be a sort of widely accepted fact that a lot of the vapes that claim to be nicotine-free are not. And there are some studies that back that up. Like, for example, there was a, a Wollongong Uni study here in New South Wales that looked at more than 100 donated samples last year all of the e-liquid solutions within these disposable vapes that they were looking at had about 4 to 5% nicotine and they weren't supposed to have any in them. Wow. So, yeah, and I guess kids are actually risking nicotine exposure and maybe addiction no matter what it says on the packet and, and that's really sad. Yeah, the students are not sneaking off site to vape, not even like down the back of the oval or whatever. They are doing it in the bathrooms for sure. It's quite alarming because they're doing it before school, during school, lunch and recess. It's like such a, I think it's a kind of a social event that students are like gathering to vape in the bathrooms to the point where we've had to shut the bathrooms. Shutting bathrooms during class time seems like a fairly extreme move by teachers. And like all that missed learning time, like is that the only solution we have to shut bathrooms down and, and why yeah. aren't there cameras and what, what more can be done? Like you said, it's not an ideal solution, but it is one that a lot of schools have had to resort to, sadly. You know, kids might need to go to the bathroom for all sorts of <laughs> legitimate normal reasons and that's it really sucks if you have to tell them, well, no, you can't go during class time. And also talking to male teachers in schools where the bathrooms are not closed... So that decision is then left up to the teacher of, do I let this kid go or do do I make them stay in class? It's really uncomfortable for male teachers to tell female students, especially not to go to the bathroom, like even if you're 99% sure that they're going off and they're going to meet friends to vape. And, and then back to the schools that do shut the bathrooms during class time, some have a policy where if you need to go, maybe you get sent to the front office and get the key. But again, talking to teachers where that was the policy, they end up with these huge lines of students all out of class, all trying to meet up to vape. And it's this total nightmare because there's just so many of them that end up out of class. That's obviously not great for the teacher either, constantly having to discipline the same kids every day for the same issue and having no other option. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a popularity contest for teachers, but that relationship and the mutual respect that teachers have with their kids is super important. And if it's not there, Natasha in in Victoria is telling me that that really impedes their ability to teach. Then what happens is you have to start to make choices as a teacher and you're like, well, am I going to police that? because that actually can be quite damaging to your relationship with the students if you're constantly on their case about these things that, granted, they know they're not meant to have, but when you've got so many other factors to consider around their education and their safety, whether they've got a phone or vape in their pocket and you don't see it, it's really not where your head's at. 
And then back in the classroom, that sort of contention between teacher and students of why won't you trust us to go to the toilet? You're treating us like babies. So, of course, the intention to try to increase learning time was, in, in fact, quite the contrary. It was a complete reversal of what the school were trying to achieve. The teachers I always liked in high school were the ones that kind of treated me like one of them. But I guess in this situation, when you're constantly being disciplined for something and you're in fear of being nitpicked, it's not ideal either. Yeah. What about the vape detection systems, though? I thought they were the new big thing. So, yes, they, they do exist. They're kind of like fire alarms, basically, but they detect vape vapour, I suppose, that uh, that sets off an alarm in the front office or wherever that's hooked up to so that they can come and deal with the kids. Firstly, they're not cheap. A quick check on Vape Detection Australia shows that they've got models starting at about 1,100 up to nearly two grand. But I've also been told by teachers that kids have figured out how to mess with the system using deodorant. So Mm. it's actually, it's not that hard to game the system. And so schools can be spending all that money for nothing. What other reforms from a federal government level or state government level, is there anything they're looking at doing? Yeah, so last week the federal government introduced some new legislation to parliament to crack down on smoking and on vaping after what it called a decade of inaction. It involves putting health warnings on individual cigarettes, um, standardising package sizes, uh, and it also including vapes in restrictions on advertising. But that's sort of just the start of a range of measures that the federal government plans to put in place when it comes to e-cigarettes specifically. Other reforms that the Albanese government has said that it wants to implement include restricting the flavours and colours, which I think could be really important when it comes to the appeal for kids. Again, changing the packaging, similar sort of line, reduce the allowed nicotine concentrations and and volumes, and also banning single-use and disposable vapes. I think a really big one also is stopping the import of vapes in the first place. Here's the health minister, the federal health minister, Mark Butler, on Sky at the end of last week. He wants that to basically be in place by the end of the year justifiably. They need the borders shut. So we need this to be a comprehensive approach at both levels of government. States policing this stuff on the ground, uh, really starting to crack down on these vape stores that, that really cynically are often deliberately locating themselves down the road from schools because they recognise that's their target market, while at a Commonwealth level we're cracking down on the border as well. I mean, it's been a pretty big issue for a long time now, so yeah, maybe something will change finally. We'll see what happens by the end of the year. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And that's it for today's extra episode of The Briefing. Tom and the team will be back tomorrow from 6. 